I will be reading Psalm 1 this morning. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the seat of judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. Blessed Meditations for a New Year, Psalm 1, the title of the message, Blessed Meditations for a New Year. Before we look at the text, um, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Before I do, people have visited here over the years, especially after a new year. They say, man, they pray a lot, and they read the word a lot. And just let me remind anyone who may be thinking that this is the body of Christ who must pray a lot and must read a lot in order to hear a lot. Amen. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for redemptive history finds its fulfillment in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Enable me to communicate this glorious truth to your people. Edify them, sanctify them, and bring to life anyone who's listening, who is dead, spiritually dead, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, if you're part of Pacific Hope, or you attend here, and you have attended for any amount of time, you know by now that the Bible um, ultimately is all about Jesus. Um, we might even say that the Bible is Jesus' autobiography. God who became flesh and dwelt among us. This book is his book. Genesis to Revelation has been referred to as 66 mirrors held up by the Spirit of God so that you and I might see Jesus in all of his excellence. The Bible. And that, of course, is in contrast um, to a world filled with apparently wise people. Who end up failing to rightly discern God. The worldly wise. Because no amount of human wisdom gets you to God. Only God's wisdom 
can bring us to him. God's wisdom condescends, enabling us to come to God according to his grace. Now, human wisdom will um, look at the Bible, the finished work of Christ, that is the doing and dying of Jesus, um, they'll look at the cross as the only way to the Father, that is faith and trust in Jesus who died and rose again. Um, they say that that is foolishness. That is nonsense. But for those who are being saved, we know that the scripture clearly declares that the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. Now, the psalmist here, Psalm 1, reminds us that every person belongs to one of two categories. The righteous and the wicked. The blessed and the perishing. That's it. Two lifestyles are set before us. Two roads, two ways, two habits, two destinies. Only two, one leading to prosperity, verse 6, or verse 3, rather, prosperity, and the other leading to perishing, verse 6. That's it. There's no third way. No third way. And yet many think, well, I may not be on the righteous way, but I'm certainly not on the wicked way. I like to call it my own way, my merry little way. There is no median en route to God. There's no third way. Now, before we look at this, um, it would be terrible for anyone to misunderstand this text. If you were to conclude um, from what we're about to look at that somehow um, or another um, the way of righteousness, that is the way to be truly blessed and to have a happy life, is that by um, our um, well-meaning endeavors down here on earth, you know, that, that God um, looks down upon us and say, well, now there's a good little boy or little girl um, working their way as hard as they can, doing their best in order to get to heaven. That is, I want to dispel any notion of a Boy Scout kind of Christianity that says, um, I, I promise to do my best. I promise to do my duty. Because that's not Christianity. Are you with me? That's not the blessing referred to here. Because righteousness is something that is granted to us from God by way of faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Righteousness that's imputed to those who entrust themselves to the finished work of Jesus Christ. The, the, those who believe on him. And believing, by the way, is not mere intellectual assent. Yeah, I believe in the facts about Jesus. That's not what believing is. Believing 
is personal devotion and trust in Christ. That's what it is to believe. He is my righteousness. He is my entry into heaven. He is the way to the Father. He is the only way to the Father. So one course of life here in Psalm 1 um, is the product of being saved by grace alone. The other is being left alone. You don't want to be left alone. Sometimes people grow up in the faith convicted. They, they, they're like these young children. They grow up hearing the truth. They're, they're, you know, some of them aren't saved. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Let's be real. And they get to a certain age, and, and they're tired of being convicted, that God won't leave me alone. I'm convicted. I'm convicted. The danger is that he ever leaves you alone. That's the danger. Here, there are two, two, two ends. Those saved by grace alone and those who are left alone. Now, the one who is blessed is the one who has been called by God to walk in fellowship with God while the perishing person is left to themselves to go their own way, which inevitably leads to death and eternal destruction. That's it. No, I'm a fence sitter. I'm undecided about Jesus. To be undecided about Jesus is to be decidedly against Jesus. God's people here delight in God's ways. Those who are not God's people scoff at his ways. They scoff at the cross as the only way. They are characterized, the scoffers that is, characterized in Psalm 14, um, quoted by Paul in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11. Look at it. Uh, the fact of the matter is that there are none righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. In fact, that description characterized all of us until God's grace came to us. Amen? Now, last week, to end the year, um, we listened um, to the heart contemplations of one Asaph in Psalm 73 one of the leaders of temple worship under the old covenant, who asked within himself, why is it that the wicked in this world seem to prosper while God's people take it on the chin? You ever wondered that? Of course you have. Now, today, to begin the new year, we look at Psalm 1 which provides for us a clear and concise number of statements about the righteous and the wicked. What is true about believers 
what is true about unbelievers. And here, Psalm 1 um, is known as the, the father of all wisdom psalms because in many ways it, it reflects uh, the, the divinely revealed wisdom of God found throughout the Proverbs. And those to whom God reveals his heavenly wisdom are his covenant people. Whether they were under the old covenant or under the new covenant, um, God in his grace condescends to reveal his truth, his gospel, his good news, his saving grace. And then we come to learn that we have been blessed. So in verse 1, notice, blessed is the man. How blessed is the man? How blessed is the woman? The person who is blessed is the one who does not get what they deserve, which is God's wrath. That's what we deserve, the justice of God. But instead, the blessed become the object of his mercy. And again, blessed is to be truly happy. It's to be Blissful, not in a flippant, you know, trivial way, but happy because we are indeed recipients of God's grace. No longer living in the emptiness of life uh, that, that has been brought about by way of the fall of humanity um, in the first Adam, but truly blissful. Any time throughout redemptive history, when God calls a people to himself, they are indeed blessed, and they realized how blessed they are. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. And notice that there are three things that characterize um, those who are blessed by God. Look at it. Um, three things the psalmist says negatively that they, the blessed, steer clear from. Notice, first, they do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Those who are recipients of grace do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And friends, wicked, by the way, is simply a category. It's not, you know, the Hitlers of the world. You know, the people who rape, pillage, and steal, and rob, and plunder. It, it, it is a, a category, a condition. It's a state of being, i.e., those who do not belong to God through Christ alone. The wicked. That's the word that the Bible uses. Amen. The wicked. The wicked, be, the wicked can be very nice people. I've heard of, of, of Christian young ladies who date a guy who's not a Christian. They say, but he's such a nice guy. I said, hell's going to be filled with nice guys. You know, they, they can be democratic, liberal philanthropists who are nice people. Or they can be, in our day, conservative Republican moralists, nice people who do nice things. They, they could be uh, involved in um, worthy causes, albeit those outside of Christ, we, we, we read in Scripture, are, are the wicked. 
Have you ever realized that? The blessed, notice, do not listen to the foolishness of the wicked, those who reject the word and the will of God, the one true God, the only God. They do not walk in their counsel. They do not walk according to their counsel. Now, um, some synonyms for counsel uh, might be uh, the principles, the aims, the agendas, or the philosophies of unbelievers, the wicked. Does that mean we don't have wicked friends? Of course not. I have wicked friends. That means I have unbelieving friends, and they are friends. We have unbelieving friends, but there's a difference because our worldviews are worlds apart. Theirs is wicked. And and true Christianity is a mind-altering experience, a heart-transforming experience. Worldview-transforming. Life and lifestyle. So counsel has to do with thinking. They do not walk in the counsel of unbelievers. And, and the world's thinking is constantly bombarding us, is it not? It's always coming at us by way of mass media, entertainment, internet, education, just mere conversation. And those blessed of the Lord, the blessed, do not walk in their counsel. The wicked. The righteous do not accept, they do not embrace, nor do they begin to recite the the soundbite counsel of the wicked. And their nonsense gibberish worldview. We don't buy into it. Because believing faith, which is a gift, changes the way a man or woman thinks and reasons and views the world. Amen, beloved? Notice, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and, uh, uh, nor does he or she stand in the path of sinners. See, when a regenerate believer, a regenerate sinner, and regeneration means they've been born of the Spirit, okay? If you're a Christian, you've been born of the Spirit. That's regeneration. You've been given life from above, spiritual life, because at one time you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You've been made alive in Christ. The divine work of God, the Holy Spirit. And when a sinner has been regenerated, and they're clear about what they believe, and in whom they believe, in whom they trust, they become more and more aware of their behavior. Amen? Look, when I was born again, it was so radically transformed that I I began to do things in such a different way I never could have comprehended when I was yet dead in my transgressions and sins. I could tell you some stories, but 
it would almost sound like I would have to go back to my past and it would almost sound as though I'm boasting in sins of my past, so I'll pass. So notice, he or she does not stand. Now the word stand here could be likened to um, loitering, meandering around, seeking intimacy with, with, with those who persist in pursuing ungodly agendas, aims, or practices. We do not walk in their counsel. We do not stand in their path. Now, that is why it is so important for the righteous, those saved by God's grace, um, choose their close friends carefully. Amen. Amen. Now, we want to be friends with the wicked, with the unbelievers in this world, to hopefully have an influence upon them. But I think we, should it not be true that I'm much more comfortable and at home amongst my believing friends than I am my unbelieving friends? That's why I always wonder about Christians who enjoy spending more time with unbelievers than believers. And now we want to have an impact, so we have to go out amongst them, but I think our joy should be found with God's people, his covenant people, recipients of grace. You know, J.C. Ryle, um, commenting um, on this very thing, he said this, quote, never be satisfied with the friendship of anyone who will not be useful to your soul. It is easier to catch things that are wrong for your soul than to catch things that are right. Okay, now listen to this. We catch their ways in things that are wrong far quicker than in things that are right. Consider health. Unhappily, health is not contagious. (laughs) But disease is. It is far more easy to catch a cold than to impart health. End of quote. Paul says it like this. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Christian, do not be deceived. Why the warning not to be deceived? Because we can be deceived. So do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts. Good morals. Amen. So it's very important where we walk, says the psalmist. It's very important where we stand, says the psalmist, by way of divine inspiration. And it's very important where we sit. Blessed is the man or woman who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Example, many university professors, many university pagan, God-hating professors, seat of the scoffer, because the, the world scoffs at the things of God. Surely you don't believe the Bible is God's word, do you? Ha, 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 ha. You ever heard it? 
surely you don't believe Jesus is the only way to the Father, do you? <laughs> Scoffers. You know, these people who scoff the Bible, they have no idea about the Bible. Test them. Test them. Ask, ask what the primary theme of the Bible is to these fools. Yeah, I called them fools because the Bible calls them fools, just in case it offends you. See, the irony is that they know it all too well. They know within that it condemns their own behavior. It witnesses against their sins. It witnesses against their blasphemous thoughts. And it summons them to judgment so they'll scoff at it. Amen? Was that a little rough? Sorry. <laughs> and by the way, scoffers aren't necessarily the grossest of sinners. They're typically just the furthest away from repentance. They're very intellectual. They're very sophisticated oftentimes. They're very well spoken. Right? They delight in mocking true biblical Christianity. It's, it's not Christianity if it's not biblical. Okay? Jesus just loves everybody unconditionally. No, he doesn't. Where do you find, what book do you find that in? The book of imaginations. <laughs> Amen? God's love for sinners is conditioned upon his son. If you're not in the son, you're under his wrath. Wrath has to do with enmity, which has to do with hatred. Amen. Word. They delight in mocking the Bible. You narrow-minded bigots. Haters. They're scoffers. Do not sit in the seat of the scoffer. Before you know it, you'll begin to think like them. Amen? And regurgitate what they say. Those who've been deemed righteous, those declared righteous according to the grace of God in Christ Jesus alone, they don't walk in their way. They don't stand in their way, forget their counsel, nor will they sit for any extended period of time in their seat where they scoff. So those who are truly blessed um, do not believe, they do not behave, nor do they belong to that crowd because that crowd is perishing as we shall see. They're going to be blown away. Now, in contrast to that, verse 2, notice, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So the righteous person, the one declared as right with God, blessed, blessed of God, made right before God because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ alone, delights in God and delights in his law, his word. Torah, 
Notice he meditates on the word. That means he, he, he repeatedly just, just chews over it. It's like chewing the cud. Like a cow chews the cud. So he repeats it over in his mind, in her mind, chewing over what has been read, chewing over what has been said. This is the instruction of the Lord um, described in Psalm 19 as perfect. Look at it. The law of the Lord is perfect. The law of capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the Lord's covenant name, um, revives the soul. His testimony is sure, making wise the simple. Do you ever feel like you're simple-minded? I do. I'm pretty simple. A simpleton left to myself. But the word makes the simple wise. Because I don't have to give my ideas about things. I just blame everything on Jesus. I do. With regard to worldviews, if I challenge someone's worldview, all I have to do is says the Bible says, which is to blame Jesus. Because if I'm going to be persecuted, as we read in the Beatitudes, I want to be persecuted for his name's sake. Amen. The authority. He is, friends, he is the word, as we'll see in a couple moments. He is the word. He's the living word. He's the word incarnate. The law of the Lord is perfect. So God who spoke all things into existence, making all things out of nothing, it's his word. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. His covenant name for his covenant people. Yahweh. The I am that I am. Who said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. That Lord. The only Lord. It's his word. The one who, who Psalm 115 says, sits in the heavens and does all that he pleases. Does he have to check in with man to see if they approve or not? Think again. He just does it. He is the one who says, I will give you my word and I will give you a new heart so that you can discover the gospel of grace centered in my son who is to come, says the prophet Jeremiah. Amen. The blessed one. This is his divine instruction. This is his wisdom. This is his law. This is his perfect counsel and perfect direction. It's his. Blessed is the man or woman who delights in it. For he... And she, they meditate on it night and day. They chew it over. They think about it. They consider it. They contemplate these glorious truths. Amen? Happy New Year. This is what we want in our New Year. Amen? If you want to make any resolution, let this be one. Help me to better meditate and chew over your word so that I know what it means by what it says. Amen? I just finished, well, I don't even know if I'm finished yet. 
But in Sunday school, we did a series on what does this verse mean by what it says? Context is key. Context is key. To meditate over God's word. That is to say that we have the voice of God right here. You know how many people say, you know, God said to me. And then they said some crazy thing that contradicts scripture. You know what that says? It wasn't God. Who are you to tell me it wasn't God? The Bible. The Bible. If it contradicts the word, it wasn't God. So we have the voice of God right here. And it comes by way of the scriptures of God. God's word, the voice of God, ultimately points us to the God of the voice. He delights in, she delights in. So the word of God points us to the God of the word. Blessed is the man. Now, the word of God, as I said, is indeed the very son of God. And in Psalm 2, just, just look over a page or down. Verse 12, kiss the son lest he be angry. <laughs> Yet what? Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Why? Because he's the only refuge. He's the only protector of God's wrath, his unmitigated wrath. Why? Because as the psalmist prophesies, he will come and he's the judge of the nations. He will judge with an iron rod. Why? Because he's going to bear that wrath in the place of sinners and declare them as right. That's why. That's why you kiss the son. What arouses his anger? The rejection of his father's will. The sending of his son. Now, Psalm 1 puts in very simple and, and summary form um, the very essence of God's covenants. If you go back to the Old Testament, we realize that God blesses those who trust in him and he curses those who reject him. Covenant blessings and covenant curses. It's that simple. That's what we have in Psalm 1. Now, Psalm 2 points ahead, that is, at the psalmist time, to the messianic age and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will be enthroned upon Zion, before whom every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that he is Lord. Verse 6, Psalm 2. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Verse 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse 12b, for his wrath may soon be kindled. Oh, how blessed are all who take refuge in him, the son, the word of God incarnate. Because the ultimately blessed man is the man who is the blessing. Amen? It's Jesus. Okay, think, consider this. Who, who, has, who, who here has never walked in the counsel of the ungodly? And don't you dare raise your hand. 
Who's never stood in the way of sinners? Who's never sat in the seat of the scoffer? That means everybody's guilty. There's only one blessed man, Jesus. He's never walked in the counsel of the wicked. He, He has never stood in the way of sinners. Never sat in the seat of the scoffer. He rebuked the scoffers, and they were all very religious. And the word here, those who delight in the word, we realize by way of the word that it's according to his grace. We discover that it's the obedience that God demands he has already met for us in this son, the only son. The obedience he demands, he's already met the standard in his son, and therefore now the he or the she that abides in the son, saved by grace, blessed of God, verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Now, throughout the Old Testament, um, trees are used um, as a metaphor for blessing. We open the service with one of them. That is Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. Look at it. The prophet writes, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust, notice, is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that, sent, that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to what fruit? Bear fruit. Not produce fruit, but bear fruit. That's why I said that earlier. We don't produce fruit. We bear fruit. And you can only bear fruit by abiding in this one. It just comes out. Like a tree. So the person who's blessed by God bears spiritual fruit and draws deeply from the living spring of life, Jesus referred to himself, right, in John chapter 4, as living water. Amen? He's the spring of life. So it's illustrated here by a tree, planted by streams of water, and those roots go deep, so that when the storms of life hit, and they will, they will, You won't be withered up like that balloon from Christmas that you still have over in the corner of your house. It's all shriveled up. You won't be that. You'll be able to withstand the storms that will come, and in particular, the final storm of God's judgment by abiding in this one, just like a tree. Blessed is the man. And notice, its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he what? Prospers. There's a word for us. That's true prosperity, by the way. Far from a promise of of prosperity in terms of health, wealth, in, in regard to what these prosperity teachers on the TV tell us. This is spiritual prosperity, friends. Those who meditate on God's word are continually strengthened by God's word, enabled to endure times of trial, times of testing, and times of temptation. Why? Because they're deeply rooted in God's provision. God's provision to sustain you. 
his word. It's not because we're great. Christian, you think you're greater than the world? Lost sinners? Boy, I'm so great because I believe. You only believe because you've been graced to believe, not because you're so great. Amen? It truly is grace. Because of the ultimate, truly holy and righteous man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great one. We abide in him. He's the vine. You are the branches. You take that branch, you take that branch and snip it off of that vine, the trunk, so to speak. You're dead. You've got nothing. We're abiding in him. He's the vine of life. We're resting in him as branches. Trusting in his counsel, trusting in his person, not ourselves. That's what I mean by we're not great. We've been graced. That's why we're blessed. To believe. Deeply rooted in the provision of God. This is why Christians should love the word of God. Now, if you're a Christian, you don't really enjoy the word. I had a guy tell me every time, I'm like, well, why don't you go to the word? Because I'm lazy. Well, then stop being lazy. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. I went to the doctor because my heart, I was having aches in my heart. Not when I was exercising, I was just sitting at home in my chair. So it went on for about a month. I didn't tell my wife about it. As soon as I told my wife about it, she made a doctor appointment for me because I don't like to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, and he's this old German guy. And I love him. I love him because he mocks me. He pokes fun at me. And he goes, so uh, how long have you had this? I said, well, my wife thinks I've had it for a week, but I've had it for a month. And since my dad is the youngest of nine and all, you know, there's five boys and four girls and all of his brothers had at least one open heart surgery, you know, heart disease runs in the family, Um, you know, a bell kind of went off. And he goes, oh, was it a little bell? (laughs) He said, I'd call that a big bell. So I had to do a stress test and all these blood tests and everything was fine, but I don't know. But I'm lazy. Ding, 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 ding. Stop being lazy. You've got the spirit of God. You've got the word of God. Pick it up and read it. And if you have a problem reading it because you're lazy, go to the source and ask God, help me out of my lethargy. Help me out of my lazy. He already knows you're lazy. Just admit it. (laughs) Right? That's why we say go to the source. Look, I do not try to hide my sin from God because he knows it all. So isn't it better just to go through the day when you sin in your mind just to confess it? He already knows it. That's the Christian life. We're blessed. Blessed are those who've received such grace as this. You're already blessed. So be real. And that comes from a guy who just tries to be real according to the grace bestowed to me. We're nothing special at all. So it's all about the book. Let's get to the book. Amen? 
deeply rooted in his provision, like, like a tree by streams of water, not out in the desert, but by streams of water were planted. And here it is right, right here. We got to be in the book. We got to be about the book. Thomas Akempis once said, I have no greater joy to be in a nook with the book. So what happens when I'm reading the Bible and I can't focus because all of these distractions are passing through my mind? I heard a preacher say it like this. It's just like a river with a bunch of garbage floating downstream. Just let it pass. Just focus back on the word. And once it passes, get back into the word. Let the garbage pass. And then take in. I know it's a challenge to read the Bible, to actually study it. So if you want to begin the new year, you know, don't start out, I'm going to read three chapters a day, every day for the rest of the year. Probably not. <laughs> so when you fail with your goal, don't feel all guilty and full of shame. Just go back to it and get at it. Amen? This, this is his provision. This is his divine counsel. So here we have a psalm of, of never ending assurance for, for all who are rooted in the river of living water. It's Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of it all. Amen? So that's the Christian. They delight in it. They meditate on it. They do not stand here. They do not sit there. They do not walk in the ways of the wicked. Okay? And we love the word. But, verse 4, the wicked are not so. <laughs> Literally, not so the wicked, not so. Not so. Now, th this is not a division between the naughty and the nice. Amen? We just came out of Christmas, you know, and Santa Claus, and have you been a good boy or a good girl? And then sometimes we, we, we think that's gospel. Well, gee, have I been a good enough boy? No, you have not. You're a wretched sinner that deserves hell, but God has granted you grace. So you can answer it yourself. <laughs> well, the pastor, isn't he a good boy? No, he's a wretched sinner saved by the same grace. Amen. Yes, amen. <laughs> but the wicked are not so. The, the only thing that establishes those who are blessed and deemed as righteous is their relationship with God through Jesus Christ alone. That's it. It's all God in Christ. Blessed are ye. So, and again, the wicked are not so. And, and don't forget, wicked, the wicked, that, that's a category. It's a condition. It's a state of being. Those who do not know God through Christ alone. That's the, the, those are the wicked. Because wickedness is claiming independence apart from your creator. That is self-righteousness. That's what self-righteousness is. I can do it on my own. I'm a good guy, and I'm sure God, you know, he, he kind of brushes my sins under the, under the mat, and he kind of pats me on the head like a little grandson. No, he's holy, he's righteous, he is pure. And the wicked think that they will dare stand on the last day. But they won't, as we shall soon see. So wickedness shows itself also um, in the blatant denial of the fact that God even exists like, you know, atheists. 
or the agnostics who pretend like, well, we can't really know. Yes, you can. Pick up the Bible. He's revealed himself. In time, in space, through Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Notice what they are like. The wicked, they're, they're not like a tree planted by streams of living water. So they're not like trees. They're like tumbleweeds. Look it. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. You want to receive counsel from them? You, you want to walk in their way? You want to sit in their seat of advisement? Do you? No. They're like chaff. They come to nothing. They, they blow away in the wind. Why? Because the wicked have nothing to sustain them in the end. Jesus said there's only two houses built, right? They look identical on the outside, Matthew chapter 7. They look identical. They're built with all the same materials, but what counts is what they're built upon. The foundation is Jesus Christ and him crucified, raised the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father. You die in him, you go to be with him. You die without him, you go to hell. And you're faced with his wrath forever. He's in hell, manifest by way of his wrath. The presence of his wrath forever. And when the storm comes, the storm of judgment, one house stands because of the foundation. The other is, is driven away, just like the chaff. Driven away. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Get, now catch that. They will not stand in the judgment. Why? Because they're swept away. In the last day, Jesus said, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. That has nothing to do with any secret rapture. The one taken is the one taken away in this judgment. Like the days of Noah. Those who were judged were swept away, as Jesus said, in the floods of judgment. So will be the day when the Son of Man returns. They will be swept away in judgment. The others will be left to stand in the judgment and receive a new heaven and a new earth because they're in Christ, the only foundation. The righteous stand in the judgment solely because of the doing and dying of Jesus Christ. That's why you'll stand. They will not. They're blown away. No, no, notice, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And again, the righteous are only righteous because of God has made them righteous, declared them righteous by the imputed righteousness of Jesus. It's the only reason you stand. So um, to be on the way of the wicked, you, 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 know, you, you know what you have to do to be on the road of the wicked? Just be born. Physically born, that's it. That's, that's the only qualification. Because you're born by nature as sinners, okay? You know, there, there is no class or in, and there is no course to teach children how to lie. No course to teach children how to cheat, steal, or abuse others. And then as we grow up, we only refine those sins. They don't hide them so well when they're children, but we learn to refine those skills, so that's the qualification for the wicked. They will not stand because the measure by which God lines them up is his holy law, and we all fail. So they're driven 
away. And what will they be driven away from in the end? God's grace. And that's why we're blessed. God's grace. Notice verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, God knows the human heart and everything about us. Amen? Unfortunately, we, we do not. We do not see things as they are. We often only see things as they appear to be. And that's what Asaph did, right? Psalm 73. The wicked, the, the wicked prosper, Lord. The wicked prosper. That's what it appears to be. But here they do not. They perish. And the implication here in verse 6 is that God watches over his people. He loves us. He cares for us. The work he began in us, he will, what? He will complete that work. And that's glory. He will complete it. So if you feel bad today, boy, I've had a terrible week. Haven't we all? At one time or another. If you've had a terrible week, rest in the fact that you're already blessed because of the imputed righteousness of Christ and move on from there. Move on from there. It's all grace. It's only by his doing that you're in Christ, by the way. We just learned this. We were reminded of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 29. He became to us wisdom from God. Jesus became to us wisdom from God and righteousness <clears throat> and sanctification and redemption. Notice it's all wisdom comes from God. Righteousness from God. Your sanctification from God. Your redemption from God. So notice now as we close. The Sermon on the Mount, which I read from earlier, um, resounds, notice, with echoes from Psalm 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, says the Lord. You're blessed because of him and him alone. Now, many people, believe, they'll read the Beatitudes there, and what they do is they think that if you become like this, if you mourn, if you are meek and so on, then God will bless you, but they're mistaken. That's the wrong way to read this text. Jesus does not tell the crowds to do anything, but to receive his blessing. That's it. You must receive his blessing, and then all this comes out. You see this? It comes out. He bestows the blessing to those eager to hear his words, those who were sitting in his feet that day realizing, I'm a wretched sinner, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You're a wretched sinner and you know it? That you can't stand before God on your own merit? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Everything else flows out of that, which are all blessings from God. You don't earn a thing. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. If you're not in Christ, if you're not certain of heaven today, 
You can't earn it. Might as well stop now trying to earn it. You must bow before this king, the blesser. Repent. That means change the way you think about God, change the way you think about yourself, to dare think you're good enough, to bow before him and receive his mercy and his grace. That's the first sign, which is poor in spirit. You'll mourn over your sin. He's the comforter. You'll become more humble. You'll become more merciful and so on. They're all blessings that come down to us from the blessed one. Amen? Happy New Year. Father, thank you for this wonderful reminder. and Help us um, as those who are blessed to receive these blessings and continue on um, in this new year, delighting ourselves um, in your revelatory truth, your holy word, that we might be sanctified by it. For your glory, amen.